morning, Jen Yu. All of you that are listening today, it's so good to see you uh, online and uh, all the comments that have been coming in already. And yes, I am wearing a suit today. First time I've been in a suit on a Sunday morning since my grandson was dedicated, and he's 11 years old now. So it's been a while. It's been a while. I don't know if there's more anointing that comes with this or not. Some people say there is. We'll give it a try today. A couple things real fast. Let me mention this to you. Uh, we typically have a pop-up here at the office on Sunday afternoons. You can get supplies and things like that. We're not going to do that today, being Easter Sunday. Uh, but if you'll pay attention to Facebook, we will have some more this week. We do have a gift for every family uh, here at Gen U, and we'd like for you to stop by and pick that up. Uh, the times of the pop-up will be on, on Facebook uh, throughout this week. And then uh, before I get into the teaching today, I would go ahead and encourage you to get your communion supplies ready. If you, don't, if you weren't able to stop by and, and get your, your uh, prepackaged supplies, uh, please go ahead and get something there in your home. Uh, you can use juice and crackers, whatever, whatever you have. Uh, we will be doing communion together at the end of the message this morning. Uh, I do think that God's given me something to say to you today that I hope will, will uh, be uh, beneficial. I hope that it's going to be enlightening. I hope it's going to lift your spirit today. One of the things about Easter is, uh, is that, that the story doesn't change. And, uh, and increasingly as preachers, we try to come up with different angles and different things like that. And the truth of the matter is that, that the story is what the story is. And it is the most important story in the entirety of the Bible. Um, we're going to be looking today at Luke 24, if you want to look there with me on version, All of my notes are there, and you can follow along uh, there in the Bible app. But today we're going to look at Luke 24, the first six verses. It says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. From book to book in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've been with Charlie all week as he's kind of taken us through Holy Week. The accounts of this day vary from book to book based on who is highlighted from the writer's perspective. But one thing that is consistent in all four Gospels, there's one thing that is statedly, stated consistently through each and every Gospel, and that is that Jesus died on a cross, Jesus was buried in a tomb, and the third thing is that Jesus Christ was resurrected from that tomb, and Jesus Christ is alive today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important aspect of Christianity. It is the only thing that proves that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. With the, with the advancement of technology, we see that, that even the virgin birth, and we believe in the virgin birth, but we know and understand that even that can be duplicated in this day and age. You know, the reality of, of, of a, a religious leader dying for their, for their cause is not something that's new. It's not something that's new, even in Christianity. But the thing that is different about Christianity than any other religion in the world is the reality that Jesus Christ did not stay in the grave. There was no grave that could hold Jesus Christ. He is alive and well today, and it is one of the most documented events in the course of history. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 12 through 19, he talks about, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. Your faith is useless. 
We apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. You're still guilty of your sin. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more pitied, more to be pitied than anyone in the world. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, if, he did, if there was no resurrection of Jesus from the dead, then all, what I'm doing this morning is a useless gesture. The faith that we hold to is useless. The apostles all lied about God. All of us on this planet are still guilty of our sin. And everyone who's died in the past, believing in Christ or not, is lost. And Christians, because we've held to this fact for more than 2,000 years, are to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. If Jesus is still dead, if he is still in the tomb, then Christianity, from the time of Christ until present day, are the most pitied, should be the most pitied people in the world because we have followed something that is irrelevant and dead. But verse 20, Paul makes a startling statement. He said, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In the following days of his resurrection, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, to all of the apostles, and to eventually over 500 people. He would sit down with them. He would walk with them. He would talk with them. He would eat with them. Paul records this account in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important, and listen to this, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have also died. Then he was seen by James, later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul was about 20 years post-resurrection. He wrote of his experience, and he saw all, many of the people that saw Christ, or that 500 and the apostles, they were still alive. They witnessed this. Eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ were still alive when Paul was walking this earth. So Paul challenged the readers to dare to contradict the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus made 12 appearances after his resurrection, all of them in the 40 days after his crucifixion except one, and that was Paul in the book of Acts on the Damascus Road. In John 20, he, was, he saw Mary Magdalene. She saw him. In Matthew 28, other women who were with Mary, they saw Jesus. They grabbed his feet. They worshiped. They heard him speak, and they saw the empty tomb. Peter, in 1 Corinthians 15, he saw and heard Jesus, and he saw the empty tomb. He saw the grave clothes. In Mark 16 and Luke 24, men on the road to Emmaus, they walked with him. He ate with them. They didn't recognize him as he talked, but then when he broke the bread, they recognized him. Then he appeared to the 10 of the disciples in Luke 24. He heard them. Uh, they, he, they touched him. They saw him eating fish which, by the way, proves the physical material nature of his resurrected body, not just some spiritual thing out there. Eleven of the disciples, this time with Thomas, he was there. Thomas wasn't there with the initial account in Luke 24, but then he showed up when Thomas was there. Thomas had doubted, but he was able to put his hand and his fingers in the wounds in Jesus' hands and in his side. The seventh account is seven of the disciples who were fishing in the Sea of Galilee in John 21. And this is a very special account because this is the account where Jesus actually restored Peter back to faith and active ministry. 
He saw them again on the Sea of Tiberias. He appeared and commissioned the apostles in Matthew 28. In 1 Corinthians 15, there are more than 500 people at one time saw the account of the resurrected Jesus. James saw him, the brother, other, along with other brothers who were not believers prior to the resurrection. John 7, 5 talks about that. And then Paul in the book of Acts. Not in a vision as some mistakenly have thought, but Paul actually saw the physical Jesus on the road to Damascus. So you say, Phil, why are you telling us all that this morning? I mean, we've heard all this before. I know that we've heard it all before. The story doesn't change. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just as real today as it ever was. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. There is absolutely more historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there is for the theory of, of evolution. There is absolute historical evidence of Jesus Christ being hung on a cross. He died on that cross. He was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day. Here it is. At the end of the day, the one thing that sets Christianity apart from any other religion in the world is the reality of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So this morning, when we remember the empty grave, remembering the empty grave, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what's going on, I know there's a lot of stuff happening right now in our world. But if you're here this morning, you're listening to this, to this, uh, this service today, if you're going through some serious physical problem, you've got some illness in your body right now, I want you to remember the empty grave and know that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. The ability for Jesus Christ to heal, yes, he took the stripes on his back for our healing, but he died on a cross. And if he stayed in a tomb, none of that would have mattered. But because we serve a risen Savior, then healing is for you and I in this world today. And if he chooses to heal you right now or not, the empty grave ensures that one day you and I are going to get a new body that will never wear out, never get sick, never feel pain again. We're going to be resurrected in the way Jesus was in newness of life with God throughout eternity. Maybe you're having financial difficulties right now. Remember the empty grave and know that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And Jesus cares deeply about you and he said he would provide for your every need and the empty grave ensures that he will keep those promises. Maybe your marriage, you're having some problem in your marriage today or with your kids or with some other relationship. And I can tell you, maybe you haven't been cooped up together in quarantine ever in your marriage and in your parenting. And maybe you are right now and maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff going on because of that. But I'm telling you today, remember the empty grave and know that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And if you'll let him, Jesus will help you transform your relationships. It may very well be a painful process, and it most often is. You may have to change as much as or more than the other person, but the empty grave proves that Jesus is capable of doing that in you and through you. You see, folks, trusting in Jesus and remembering the empty grave doesn't guarantee that Jesus is going to take away my problems or even fix my problems. But what the empty grave does guarantee is that his grace is sufficient for me, and I don't have to go through those times alone because he has promised that he would never leave me, he would never forsake me, and the empty tomb, the empty grave tells us that Jesus is alive and with us every day of our life and every moment of every day. Whatever your problem is, Whatever trial you're going through right now or in the future, remember the empty grave because the empty grave means hope is alive because Jesus Christ is alive this morning. I want you to think about this. Death could not hold him. 
The grave could not keep him. He is risen. Jesus Christ is alive today. He is still touching people's lives. We can still talk with him. He still loves. He still heals. He did it on the day of resurrection, and he still does it today. And most importantly for every one of us, that is, he wants a relationship with you and me. What was it the angel asked? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been seeking living among the dead. Maybe you've looked at Confucius or maybe you've looked through at Muhammad or Buddha or maybe Marx, communism. Maybe at some other, or maybe you're trying to live a good life. Maybe you've, I'm just going to find it in church and all this kind of stuff. Maybe you've tried many other paths to get to God, but I want you to understand something this morning. There is only one pathway to God. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus himself said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's the question of the day. That's the question of the day. Do you believe this? Because I can tell you that it's impossible to come into a, a place of knowing God and understanding Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus without acknowledging the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said to the, to the church at Rome, he said, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Faith in God. Faith in Jesus. Faith in his death, in his burial, yes, but ultimately faith in the reality that God raised him from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. The day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're listening this morning, and I, I, don't, I know this is kind of weird to do, and I've never done anything like this before. This is a new day. But I want to ask you this morning, right there in your living room, right there where you're listening, whether your iPads or your notebooks or whatever, however you're listening to this today, do you believe this? Do you believe this? If you, if, you, if you have made that decision today, then I want to pray for you. And right there in your living room, I just want everybody to bow your heads. Let's just pray this prayer together and pray it out loud. Believe this prayer. Believe what this prayer is stating today. And the Bible tells us that we have our sins forgiven because of our declaration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and him being our Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. I declare that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you are alive. And I openly declare my faith in you today. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. If you prayed that prayer this morning, let us know about it. Send us a comment on Facebook. Just let us know. Just let us know that, hey, yes, I prayed that prayer this morning. I dedicated my life to Jesus. Maybe you're rededicating your life on this Easter Sunday. Whatever it is today, just let us know. And the Bible talks about the fact that the angels rejoice when one person comes to faith. 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important day in all of Christianity and in all of the world, the history of the world, I might add. It is the most important thing to acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to move into a time of communion here now. In a few minutes, we'll do this, and then we'll, then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together, and we'll send it out to the virtual lobby. But right now, let's do communion together. If you'll take the elements with you. Take them in your hand. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. We know the, the horror of the crucifixion, the whipping, the beating, everything that Jesus went through. We know the horror of it all. The reality of it is this morning that this is what this is. He said, this is my body. This is not a symbol. This is my body. This becomes the body of Jesus Christ as we partake this morning. So right there in your living rooms, as you break the bread, you give it to your families, each one individually break it. Let's lift it up to the Lord. Father, we bless this, your body, this morning. And we acknowledge it as such, that this is your broken body. And we honor it this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Shall we eat together? After they had eaten, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Folks, I'm telling you today, there's never been a more powerful force than the blood of Jesus Christ because it doesn't cover our sins. The blood of Jesus washes away our sin. And they're never remembered against us again. Lift the cup and let's bless it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you found a way to allow us to be reconciled in relationship with you, and that is through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. But you know what? If he, if he had stayed in the grave, it would have been irrelevant. But because of a resurrected Lord, we acknowledge the blood that was shed that washes away every stain of sin. And today, we give you thanks, Jesus, for the shedding of your blood that washes away all of our sin, past, present, and future, and they are never remembered against us again. And we honor it now as your blood. In Jesus' name, shall we drink together. Now let's just pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. God bless you, Jen, you. God is for you. God is not against you and the resurrected Lord, the empty grave assures that we can be with him throughout eternity and that he will be with us through our present circumstance. God bless you. Send it over to Virtual Lobby now. Kids Corner's coming up in just a moment. God bless you, Jen. We love you.